Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome back to I Don't Mean to Scare You, a podcast where at this point I just call my favorite uh, influencer, Dr. Amish Adalja, and we just talk about this pandemic we're all experiencing. How's it going, Dr. Adalja? It's okay. You're okay? Are you better or worse than last time we spoke? Mm, I think I'm probably better. You're better? Do you feel hopeful about the future of our world? Not really, but, I'm, uh, but I feel better. Why do you feel better? I... Because I didn't, I didn't work overnight last night. So you're less. Tired. Last time we spoke, I had worked overnight the night before. And you were tired. Yes. How how have your media appearances been? Fine, I guess they they've been they've been good. Nothing nothing too earth shattering. Okay, so as of today, um, the cases of COVID nineteen globally are at. 700,000 deaths over 30,000 U.S. confirmed cases over 131,000 deaths over 200, sorry, over 2,328. Um, are we, have we hit the peak yet? There's not just going to be one peak for the country. There's going to be different peaks in each city. And many cities haven't even had uh, that many cases to begin with. So no, I don't. We have not hit the peak yet. And sometimes you don't know that you've hit the peak until afterwards, and you look back and realize that that was the peak. So the answer is no. We haven't hit the peak yet. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just going to go right into some questions. Um, okay, some questions from Twitter. I know we seem so. Uh, there's so much energy. I've been home. For two weeks now, Josh and I are watching The Wire. Have you seen that? No, but I live in Baltimore part-time, so we have some understanding of it. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good show to watch in quarantine. Okay, um, let's see. And how are you otherwise? How's your mental health? How are you doing? My hair is getting longer. Yeah, so is mine. Um, are you quarantined with anyone or you're just, um, I'm not really quarantined. I'm a healthcare worker. So I'm going to the hospital every day, seeing patients. And How's the morale at the hospital? It's good. I think it's actually like normal life in the hospital because you're not, because you're there and everything is kind of just the same, hanging out in the cafeteria, all the normal stuff that you do in the hospital. So it actually is a break from, uh, what you see outside because it's very normal in the inside and normal if you're used to being in hospitals because hospitals are like big high schools, So it's just like the same thing 
that it was even before the pandemic. Which group in the hospital high school do you sit with? The cool kids? The um, Persian mafia? No, like the, like the, the Satan worshiping, self-cutting type. Oh, people. you're the emo. You're the art school. You're like the... Um, no, I'm like the authority, don't like authority type of people. So I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't be considered like the art school people, but the people you're who like, like the just, anarchist, you're like the anarchist kids. Something like that. I don't know. The ones that don't like to take orders. Okay. The anti-establishmentary. I mean, aren't, isn't that like all kids or no? I guess they're like the jocks, the nerds. Yeah, not that No. Yeah. Okay. If you ever watch, uh, watch Scrubs, they, they really talk about that. There. So, scrub, so Scrubs is very lifelike? Yes. Okay. Well, maybe the next month in quarantine, I'll, I'll check out Scrubs. Okay. Well, okay. I heard that, you know, the hospitals in New York City are inundated and they've all become essentially COVID hospitals. You're not, you're not experiencing that quite yet? No, no, not at all. Um, there are... Uh, in the county that Pittsburgh is in, where I practice, there's about 35 hospitalized patients. I've taken care of some that have been hospitalized, but uh, no, we're not inundated yet. Uh, I don't suspect that Pittsburgh will be one of the harder hit cities. I think it may be uh, something that's relatively maybe spared in the first uh, the first wave of this. We will get cases, I think, but I, I do think we have time to prepare and increase capacity in a way that, that New York really didn't. So I don't think we'll have a, a repeat of New York and Pittsburgh, at least based on what I see now so far. Do you think any city will be as hard hit as New York City in our country? I, I've been trying to understand the models in New York and understanding what's going on w- there. And I think that there may be a threshold issue with the population density being so high that they, they had a really fast escalation of cases. And I think they have about 6,000 hospitalizations around there now. And I think they came very quickly which put a lot of those those hospitals close to crisis. I haven't heard of any hospital being in full crisis where they're rationing or anything like that. And I talked to one of my colleagues there last night, and there were still 300 ICU beds open in some of the New York hospital, overall New York City hospital ICU capacity, which is good. And they're opening the, the Jacob Javits Center for, for patients that are going to be taking, I think, some non-COVID patients. And that will help decant uh, the hospitals in New York. And it's important to remember that New York is always – a place where the hospitals are inundated, where there are, are long wait times or emergency department crowding is kind of a way of life. And you have this health, the health and hospital corporation, hospitals like Elmhurst, which are chronically uh, under-resourced. So it's not surprised that they get they get close to their breaking point uh, with this because they did that during severe flu season 2017-2018. They almost uh, broke. So it's, it's one thing to... Um, it's, it's, it's hard to extrapolate exactly that New York experience to every other city, but we have to be prepared for that as a worst case scenario. But I think it's important that there's a lot of caveats to that. No one lives like the way we live in New York. We're just on top of each other. I, I remember being there when I talked to you in early February and I stopped taking public transit because I was worried about this. And I got into an Uber and I shut my door and my finger just like sat in someone else's Kleenex dirty Kleenex. And that's just like the city that everybody's on top of each other. And so it just um, increases your likelihood of getting it. I read recently that the six feet away thing is being um, recalibrated. And now they're saying like 20 something feet is how far you should social distance from other people. What do you think about that? I think that's overkill. In the hospital, when taking care of patients that are on droplet precautions, for example, you only have to wear a mask if you're three feet away from them. 
So I, I don't think that that this virus isn't spreading in a way that's can do with that 20 feet is what you need to, to separate yourself. We would be in a whole different position if this was able to travel 20 feet uh, through the air. I got in a little trouble for a couple of things I tweeted, which is understandable. Everybody's tired. I'm not a medical professional. I just play one on Twitter. But um, two things. One, I had urged my friends who were in New York City prior to this moment, I think, to just get out if they if they were able to. I know that is like a privileged thing to say, but isn't it better for people who don't have it uh, to not contribute to the population density of a city that's currently going undergoing like a, an epidemic? If like, assuming that they don't have it, like obviously it would be like, okay, if you can leave New York city and you don't have it, try to self quarantine for 14 days, get out of there. If all things equal, you know, like you can't infect your, if you're not driving yourself, like the other people in your car, but just assuming you don't have it, just escape from a place where there are people who have it so that if you get sick, you're not overwhelming their healthcare system. Is that, is that a bad take? It's more complicated than that though, because what if that person doesn't know that they don't have it and they go into another place and spread it. And and that, that, that's what you're worrying about right now. There's a CDC, there's a CDC travel advisory for New York right now. I know. So not letting people into Rhode Island either with New York plates. Yeah, that Rhode Island thing is kind of crazy with the, and I think they're going to be sued by New York for that. I think that's a little bit I think both both of these actions are a little bit questionable, but I do think that make having people run from those cities is just going to create a problem and it may be hopefully that travel advisory because obviously those travel advisories are not they're not the force of law, so that's going to get people to leave New York and you may see seeding from New York to other cities uh, after this uh these orders get issued because people are going to be scared and run. And the same thing happened in Wuhan. The same thing happened in Northern Italy. Well, do you think it'll bring New York back to when it was like cool in like the eighties? Less people there. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I deleted the tweet. Okay. Fair enough. The other one that I got in trouble for was saying that people, if they can help it, shouldn't go grocery shopping. They should just do pickup or delivery. And then people were like, well, what about the workers delivering them food? And it's like, yeah, I mean, people should be able to have personal protective equipment and should be paid for the risk that they're taking. But I don't know, less people in the grocery stores is always a good thing, right? Yeah, but it's, these are all hard trade-offs, and nobody really knows what the, there's not like science behind all of it. And grocery stores are putting in precautions there, so that people can social distance in those grocery stores. So I don't, I don't think it's that big of a difference if you go grocery shopping or have food delivered. Either, either way is fine. Whatever your preference is. Just go back I to tweeting. Do you think I should just go back to tweeting jokes? You are a comedian. Well, I mean, I was. I stopped being funny. I think in November of 2016. That was like the moment that I just kind of stopped my, the magic. I lost. Let's talk about the Javits Center. Can you imagine dying spiritually the night of the election at the Javits Center and then having to go back because you're ill and dying again physically? That's, that sounds like a joke. Kind oh, of funny. It's kind of funny if, if you or no one you know is in that situation. All right, Dr. Dalja. Um, Okay, let's get to some questions. So, question from my dad, who's been reading my Twitter feed a lot more than he should be. Um, Intubation rate in New York City is falling. Doubling time is up six days. Hospital discharges are increasing. Why? Fatality rate in New York is under 1%. 
Yep. So yeah, your dad's saying some good optimistic stuff there. So that's that's really your dad's question. Yeah. Well, that's good. Why? Um, why would that? Why would you question that? He's 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 a smart guy. I know, Doctor. but I just didn't think I just didn't think he actually read your Twitter feed. Oh my god, my parents they read it if they don't hear from me just to make sure I'm alive. But yeah, they they're my only two now they're my biggest fans, but you know, it wasn't always that way. Anyway. All right, what do, what's your answer to that? That there that there there's a lot of interest in, in what's going on that l- the rate of hospitalizations are the doubling time is is increasing, which tells you that maybe there's slowing down of transmission. Uh, because hospitalization is kind of like a surrogate. So like 20% of people who show up in an emergency department get admitted. So that might mean that there's less people showing up in emergency departments, which might mean there's less transmission going on. So that's a good sign uh, that that's happening. And the case fatality rate in New York City is less than 1% is what we expect. Um, we didn't, we never thought that those case fatality ra- ratios that we're here seeing in China were, were actually accurate. And, you know, for example, in Germany, the case fatality ratio is like 0.5 or so. And we know that there's a massive underestimate of cases. So if you say cases are underestimated by 10-fold, then maybe that – so if, if a city says they have 2,000 cases, maybe they really have 20,000. Mm-hmm. That tells you that the case fatality ratio is probably overestimated by that much, which I think is really reassuring that that there that it isn't as deadly as, as we were fearing. And maybe it isn't 1%. Maybe it's substantially lower than 1%. But really what the important thing is, is the hospitalization rate. What percentage of people get hospitalized because, because that, that's the issue with hospital capacity. Yeah. So like if if flu death is like point, uh, 0.1%, is that correct? Yeah. In the worst years, yeah. And then if even if the death rate for this was 1%, if 20% need hospitalization, whereas what percentage need hospitalization with the flu? Yeah, much lower than that. So this is really just crippling the system, and it's showing a scarier picture. And then also with the whole ventilator shortage thing, which is a whole other issue, you said, well, I read somewhere that like 40 to 60% of people who are on ventilators, or the mortality rate of people who need to get on ventilators is like 40, 40 to 60%. Is that correct? It's around, it's, it's around there, but it's... And so if they don't get ventilators, like... You know, obviously. Well, then it would be 100%. But it's, it's, um, I think that the fact that the hospitalization doubling time is increasing is a good sign. And maybe that, um, the case velocity is slowing down in, in New York City. But I don't know that for sure because the data is still not complete. And we don't, it's often hard to figure out when you're at a peak until after the peak. Yeah. But it's all, the other thing to think about is like, so for example, in Westchester County, where they had that big outbreak in New Rochelle, they tested very extensively the whole basically population of, of that area. And the hospitalization rate was only 1% overall in Westchester, uh, which is which is interesting. So th- that may change the way the models are, what, what the models are showing. And I think it's important to make sure that the models that people are using are continuously refined based on actual real data because we're getting real data now. So you don't have to completely rely on the models. You can actually input stuff from the conditions in hospitals into those models and maybe they'll revise downward. Okay. A couple questions from Twitter. I'm going to try to make this quick because, you know, I just want people to be entertained. Um, informed. No one's entertained anymore in this podcast. Informed. Okay. 
Question from some guy. Uh, my cousin has COVID. How long after his symptoms cease can he stop self-isolating? How long does his immunity last after cessation? Two different questions, but the first question, how long after symptoms cease can he stop self-isolating? I think that's still an open question. Some people say 72 hours without a fever. Really? Mm-hmm. As opposed to 21 days from like the last time you, you got and tested it in your system? So I don't think 21 days is ever a thing. Sometimes people were doing two negative negative nasal PCR tests to say that someone is recovered. I know for healthcare workers, some of them are saying 72 hours without a fever uh, is one. Remember that the cough may linger, so you can still have a cough even after you get uh, better and you're not contagious just because you have got damage to your, any irritation to your airways that causes you to cough. The, the other question was what? Um, the other question was, how long does immunity last after symptoms? No, so we don't know that answer to that. Yeah. I, I think for other coronaviruses, the, the immunity wears off in several months, but when you get reinfected, it's really, really mild, um, not even noticeable by most people. So it may be that, that the immunity wears off and then any kind of second infection is not is ne- negligible, but we don't know that answer right now. Right now, we're assuming that they, they, people do have short-lived immunity after they get infected, and they're doing all, all these blood tests are starting to come onto the market now to test if people have antibodies, and, and that may be one way to end some of the, the economic shutdowns is allowing people to demonstrate immunity to be able to do things and go to work, go, go to work or, or, or have other types of positions if they can sh- demonstrate immunity, and cool. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Cool. Okay, next question. Um, Some other guy goes, um, are they burning bodies of the victims? Because my friend's cousin, who was 88, died from it, and the hospital said COVID bodies are cremated immediately. That happened in the Bronx. So I guess it's less of a question, but from what you're seeing, are they burning the bodies? No. Oh. I don't know where that, no, no. Is it happening in the Bronx? Well, maybe that person wanted to be cremated. Who knows? Okay. So... Why, after so many weeks, is testing still so far behind in the U.S.? What are the roadblocks? I think we talked about this last time. We just don't really have the right testing or leadership, you know, getting, getting the tests out to the people. Is that correct? Sort of. And the hospitals haven't. The hospitals, most hospitals have to still send that test out to, like, to another laboratory. So that makes it one more step in all the bureaucracy. So there's this incentive to not want to do that on mild cases, especially those who aren't getting admitted. And I myself don't order those tests on mild cases who aren't getting admitted unless okay. there's some kind of special circumstance. But I think we're getting there. There's a, there are faster tests now that can re- deliver results in 45 sec- 45 minutes. Um, and we're going to have them even better in, in, in the next couple of weeks, I think, hopefully even home tests and point of care tests. Okay. Uh, question on herd immunity, basically. Um, is there any credence to that? Is it, is it just not really a thing that works like what they try to do in the UK and I think what they're doing maybe in the Netherlands or somewhere where they're just uh, a little bit more lax in trying to isolate the vulnerable populations? Eventually you will see herd immunity, but I don't think it's something that you can count on right now. And I think it's pretty risky to try and do it with in the midst of this outbreak when there are so many people that are susceptible, including those at high risk. So I think it doesn't make sense as a strategy, but overall we will develop herd immunity in our populations. I just don't think it should be part of our public health strategy at so, this point, unless there's, unless there's something I'm missing. An infant just died of it. A 17-year-old boy in Los Angeles died of it. Uh, I think a 16-year-old girl somewhere else just died of it with uh, apparently no underlying conditions. What do you make of children 
dying from this who don't have underlying conditions? Just because deaths cluster in the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions don't, doesn't mean that it's not possible for someone outside of that age group to die. And we see that even with flu, that there are going to be otherwise healthy people that die, although the, the preponderance of deaths are going to be in the high-risk groups. You're going to find some, some deaths outside, and, and it may be due to the, some idiosyncrasies of their immune system or their genetics that you would find that predispose them to that, uh, that outcome. Now, uh, some pundit talked about diarrhea deaths. When you just look at the numbers of this, and you compare it to the numbers of diarrhea in other countries, in like you know parts of Africa and stuff, there. All right, I don't think I can find that. There seems, you know, I'm about to say, like there, there, there seems to be this thing on the right where it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. More people die of more things in other countries. Like, what do you say to that? Well, it's true that that there are deaths from the deaths from diarrhea you know, outweigh everything. But I think the point is we don't want to add to that with another new disease that's causing that. And and the fact is that when you have a when you have something that's already in people's risk perception, they don't panic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that many people die of malaria. That's many people die of HIV. That's already like factored into the everyday risk. This is a new risk, and that's why it's pro- provoking panic by policymakers and the general public. Yeah. And this is novel, so what you just said. All right. Um, how do people... So you're not in, in Pittsburgh where you are. People aren't... There's no shutter-in-place orders? There are. Um, our beaches are closed. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Los Angeles. We don't want to have we don't want to have mass gatherings right now. That that's going to be something that's going to spread that could spread the infection. Whether or not every beach, whether you can do social distancing appropriately on a beach is another question. I, I would just say that it kind of has to be based on the uh, on what's going on locally. And I, I don't know. I don't like blanket order type things. I think if you can do things and modify them to have the ability to social distance, it's probably fine. But some things might not be able to be modified for socially distancing, so the recommendation should be to avoid those types of things. But uh, I don't know. On a case-by-case basis, it's hard to know exactly what, what to do. So I can imagine people being able to social distance on the beach if they were, depending on what they were doing. But obviously, if they're having parties on the beach, it's probably not conducive or having spring break on the beach. Do you think Cuomo's doing a good job? I, I think it's. I, I think he's frustrated as a state governor because there's not been much federal leadership here. I think he, he's, I, I don't necessarily agree with all the blanket type of stuff that's going on there in terms of everything being, being shut down. I think that there are ways to open businesses in a safe manner that can do social distancing. And I think he said as much, uh, I think it's, it will be important to make sure that he's, when he looks at those models or the people he's relying on are constantly revising those models so that he can actually, have the best data for the decisions he's making. And I'm, I'm worried about, I'm more worried about modelers than I am about policymakers because sometimes models don't get, they don't necessarily revise their estimates sometimes. And they don't necessarily apologize for being off uh, either under or over. And I think it's important that we realize that and that policymakers realize that. Do you think Pence is doing a good job? What? Do you think Mike Pence is doing a good job? I don't really know what, I mean, I don't, that, from the federal coordination has not been very good from the beginning. I don't really know if, what his day-to-day type of stuff is. I have confidence in some members of the task force. And I think that 
um, it's hard to say what 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 his role is. I do think having someone with that kind of stature running the task force is a good thing because that means it gets attention and, and priority. But I don't know specifically whether or not I would say that he himself and his role as the head of that task force is doing a good or a bad job. I don't have enough information. Why do you think, how do you think Trump has managed to not get coronavirus yet? Boris Johnson has it. Uh, Prince uh, Andrew? No. Prince Charles. Charles has it. <laughs> Prince Andrew. I thought Prince Andrew would have it because he's around young girls all the time and that would increase his likelihood of getting it. Sorry. Prince Charles has it. Um, why do you think Trump doesn't have it? I think he got lucky. I don't know. He was around people that had it and he got, and he got lucky. Is it because of his lipid shell? I know we talked about that, but scientifically, is it because of his lipid casing? It's harder. He, he may have a, I don't know. I don't know. What, we don't know why people get infected or don't get infected. You have to There's be prob- political because if, if he finds out, if he listens to this podcast, he could just take away your ventilators, respirators, ventilators. Oh. All right. Um, a lot of people are asking what they can do to help. Yesterday I, I tweeted, if you really need food or anything, send me your Venmo and I'll send you a little bit of money. I took the tweet down pretty quickly because I got a lot of responses. I sent everybody money, but I was, it was tricky because some people reached out to me and they, they're like, avatars were very Jesus-y and it's like, why are you asking me for money? You could just ask Jesus, you know? Um, and I don't want to discriminate, but it's it's my money. So I just, this this sounds so unlikable. But I, I think something I've been doing is just giving money to people that need money for groceries and stuff because a lot of people are unemployed. What are some other ways, if you don't want to tweet out stuff and get inundated from people you don't know on Twitter, uh, what are some other ways that you can that you can help people right now? Well, if you have people that are high risk or elderly, you can maybe do some of their errands, maybe go do their grocery shopping for them as best you can. That that would be one thing that could that could help with social distancing. If you've got masks or you have you can donate those masks to to hospitals where they're needed. Um, I think those are the two big things I would say. Um, people are wondering, there was some murmurings about whether or not we're going to all start wearing masks like they do in, in parts of, uh, China. Um, do you think that that's a good idea? Do you think that that's going to happen? I think right now when healthcare workers are having shortages for masks and really being careful about their supply, it would be irresponsible for people to wear masks that are not healthcare workers. Are healthcare workers gonna? I, I've been reading that they're like gonna be recycling masks. Should they be? Is there a way? Again, to- some 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 masks can be worn. They can be stored and, and reused if they're not soiled. Uh, and there are protocols to do that. So I think you can do it sometimes uh, if you if you need to. Um, and I think we're gonna have to do that because we don't want to blow through all the personal protective equipment so fast. You've always had a very. Um, I don't want to say laissez-faire because that's not the word, but you're very, you've always had a very calm attitude towards this uh, virus. It's been calming, but then, you know, sometimes you get mad at me if I, if I text you something like I texted today about the oxygen concentrator. You got, very, you got, you got um, a little annoyed by my text. But forget, forgetting me and, you know, my... my boyfriend who's stopped smoking as of a couple weeks ago. Um, 
elderly people who don't yet have it, do you think it's wise for them to get a prescription for like an oxygen concentrator to have one in the house in case they get sick and they need to like figure out how to breathe better before they go to the ER or anything? Do you think an oxygen concentrator in the house is a good thing? No, I don't think it's a good thing. I think that the the people that are going to need oxygen, that's something that you have to titrate with a doctor to understand how many liters of oxygen per per uh, minute you need. This isn't something that's benign. You don't want people just taking oxygen without a need for it. It needs to really be based on not just that they're short of breath, but what's their, their pulse oximeter reading. It's, it's, this is a a process to get home oxygen. So I don't think people should What's just... What's the process? Random. What is it? Well, the pro- well, first of all, they have to be sick and they, and they have to... So you would look at the level of oxygen in their blood and then you would test and see, does supplemental oxygen work? Or what, what types of... Act- do they need this oxygen all the time? Or only when they're sleeping, does their oxygen levels go down? Or is it only when they're exerting themselves? And then how many liters? What's the... Ba- you, want, you don't want to give people too much oxygen. Remember, oxygen is a, is a free... Creates oxygen Could you get the bends? Could you get the bends if you give somebody? Could somebody get the bends if you give them too much oxygen? No, that's a totally different thing. Oh. That has to do with that has to do with oxygen nitrogen. in gas form. Oxygen. Lots. Of, well, that yeah, it has to do with nitrogen. It has to do with gases coming from from dissolved state into into a gaseous state when you're based on the based on the ambient pressure that your body's under. It's different. Um, not for not for this type of thing. Do you think I should go but so back? You just have, but it's just—it's a process. You don't know how. They, how is a person going to know? Do they need two liters of oxygen? Do they need three liters of oxygen? Okay, uh, okay, gonna, okay. I get it. Who's going to advise them? What if they smoke a cigarette near that and they blow up their yeah. whole face, which has happened lots of times? Yes. I, I don't think that people. And then what, you, it, you don't want to just buy these types of things. There's a process. Okay. Well, that was like the you just woke up to that question, so I should have asked it first because you sounded so concerned and alive. And it was cool. I think it was helpful for the podcast that you just have so much energy there. Well, then you can continue to annoy me, and then I will answer it like that. I know. I'm, I'm annoying. Why do you keep answering the phone when I call? That's, my, that's a question from me. Because well, every once in a while, you're funny. I know. All right. Um, what, what stocks should we... <laughs> No, I can't answer that question. I know you can't. I was just teasing. My entire tour got canceled. I have some downtime. I've been looking at the markets to just distract myself. I know it's unlikable, but I put some money into Delta when it was really down, and now I've got $40 I didn't have that I just gave away to religious Jesus freaks on Twitter. So it's all working out. Which shows should we binge? During this time, I know you're not a an entertainment reporter, but what's your favorite show to binge when you've got the time? Which you I try to keep up with them. I watched I watched the latest episode of Homeland today. That, was, that a, was really good. You love you liked it. Yeah, I like that. I like Homeland. Okay, well we're at thirty minutes. I don't want to keep people too long because I know everybody's schedules are so jam packed right now. Uh, any. What's your outlook for the next week? Do you think anything, uh, we're learning, we're kind of getting a better picture of this. More knowledge is less fear. Uh, We're going to start seeing little outbreaks pop up in different states. Obviously, people continue to shelter in place, be smart, no mass gatherings. Um, You're more optimistic than last time because you've had a little bit of sleep. Do you think, how long do you think uh, LA will be in, in like our little shelter in place lockdown such i would say probably uh, probably two more weeks at least i think um there may be some federal 
guidance that comes out next week, early or early this week. I mean, at the 15 days are up, so there will be some guidance. But it's, this is all a governor issue, so it's all going to depend on your governor and, and what the governor decides to do. And it should ideally be based on how much transmission is going on, what the hospital capacity is, all of that type of stuff. So in the next week, I would watch the New York numbers a lot to see if any of those, if if we actually see a slowing of cases. And the hospital capacity, hospital capacity numbers. Same thing for Seattle as well, which are like the two big hotspots. And but I do, th- I do think shelter in place is going to be. Some governors are not going to move from that for some time. Okay, um, John McAfee, my uh, my other friend, I met on the job. Um, just messaged me that uh, like some article from the Off Guardian which you had cautioned about those like uh, media outlets that sound like, you know, like CCN. Um, what, are, what are your favorite media outlets right now that you think are doing the best reporting on this so people don't accidentally stumble on the off Guardian and read fake news? What, what, what media outlets do you think we should be reading if, if we want to keep abreast on what's going on with COVID-19? I think the mainstream media has not been bad. Uh, the New York Times and I, I, Washington Post, as well as... Um, I, I like Stat News, Stat News, which is a science reporting thing owned by the Boston Globe. It's probably my favorite outlet. But I would caution when you're reading the mainstream media, make sure you just don't read the headlines. So, for example, there was an article in the New York Times this week about New York Presbyterian having two people on a ventilator. And everybody tweeted that out or, or put it all over social media that New York Presbyterian was rationing ventilators that way. And if you read in this story, it just says they were actually practicing to see if they had to do it. It wasn't that they were there, but it gives a totally wrong impression if you just read the headline. Well, that's with everything. Um, Right. uh, I just got a question from a a fan. Um, Is it true that if we've been self-isolated for two weeks, we can start hanging out with other people that have been isolated for two weeks? It depends on where you're going to hang out. But yeah, I mean, mean, technically, yes. I think if you, but if if you're going to not have any kind of contamination, meaning that that the other person completely self-isolated for two weeks and you self-isolated for two weeks and you're hanging out in the place where there's been no other, where no other people are, um, then I guess technically, yeah. I mean, there's always that, that saying or whatever, that if everybody went inside the house for 14 days around the world simultaneously, all these colds and flu viruses would just disappear from the human population. I've never heard that saying, but that's the saying I'll, I'll stitch it on a pillow. It sounds like a great Mm -hmm. one. Um, and then Josh ordered a bunch of alcohol and he showed the woman his ID and potato went out and like humped her leg and, you know, we tipped her a lot. But could that, could that, that have given us all <laughs> coronavirus? Because of the dog doing, the dog no, humping No, I don't know. If leg, she had it, if she had it, would we have all just gotten it? Because like, you know, Josh was like definitely within three feet because he had to show his ID. These, no, did she cough? Did she sneeze? Did she do something? No, I don't think, I, I did no. Can you walk into a sneeze like the 29 minutes later and get it? No. What about 20 minutes later? How late? No. If somebody sneezes, how long will it last in the air that uh, and be contagious? I would say probably less than a minute. It's probably less really? than a minute. Really? Yeah. A, a plume of, of, of well, aerosolized? If they sneezed into like a, a fan or something, then obviously it's going to aerosolize. But just a regular sneeze? I don't, I don't, I think it all falls you to the, the ground. You think the regular, the regular sneeze, like uh, for a minute falls to the ground. Okay. And then what if you get it on the bottom of your shoe, you take your shoe off with your hand and then you touch your eye? Well, I think if it was on the bottom of your shoe and you're walking on it, that this virus is fragile. It's not going to really be there anymore. 
Okay. All right. That's those are my questions for today. I'll keep. I'm. I'm. You know. I'm. I, I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain to be funny or creative right now. We've been home. That's why you need the oxygen. That's why you need the oxygen concentrator to make no. the jokes better. If the oxygen concentrator can make my jokes better, then sign me up. But now I need a prescription for it because everybody's buying them. Well, you can go to oxygen. Don't, they used to have oxygen bars, didn't they, in Los Angeles? So the oxygen is the oxygen bar, like the oxygen concentrator. Would that be a version of it? Could you get high off of just like a a puff of oxygen? No, you couldn't get high. No, just no. high on life, though. I guess so. All right. Well, that's a positive. Um, great. Dr. Dalja, thank you so much for your time. Hang in there. And you're feeling good? How's your temperature? Is it okay? Yeah, I've been getting fever scans at one of the hospitals I work at every time. It's getting lower and lower my temperature every time I go in. You're practically dead. Yeah, 94.5 the last time. How is that possible? I don't know. 94.5, isn't that unhealthily low? It just shows you how unreliable fever screening is most likely. Well, that's comforting. Well, they swab the they swab the thermometer with this alcohol swab, and that alcohol swab probably is cold, and then it might mess up the calibrate. I don't know what happens, but I they don't feel that cold, but it keeps coming up very cold. Yeah, I run cold too. I took Josh's temperature like two weeks ago, and he had like a hundred and one for about twenty four hours, and he slept it off. He thinks that that could have been COVID. Was it COVID? I, I think there's a good, there there's a high possibility it was. Really. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get sick, and he didn't have any other symptoms except for like a twenty-four well, hour tired. Well, most fever. people don't get that many symptoms, and I don't know. You, I think when they have the antibody test, you should get tested. Sure, I get tested all the time for everything I can get tested for. Great. Well, that's comforting too. All right. Uh, any questions for me? Mm, no. Uh, any questions in general? I don't have any questions, no. When do you think comedy will recover? Do you think people are actually going to go to see live comedy shows in like six months from now? Maybe. I, well, I think, aren't are people doing virtual comedy stuff? Yeah, but it's not funny. Not even like the big the big stars? I don't, I mean, are you watching like, it? I'm not watching it. I don't well, think I mean, I, maybe, maybe Mrs. Maisel could do some special stuff. To All right, people. Mrs. Maisel's not a real person. She's like a, it's like a Jewish minstrel character. She's it's not like even the Jewish, comedian. the actress. It's like, that's like the best female comedian alive right now. Now you're just trying to... Look, I have no... Mm, the Maisel show uh, employs friends of mine. It's a good. It's good to get people interested in female comedy from the 50s, even if it's kind of minstrelly to Jewish. It's like Jewish face or something. A kind of caricature of... Uh, Jewish life in the 50s in New York. Um, that's a whole another podcast. I don't, I stopped watching it after season two. But anywho, The Wire, you guys, if you're listening, seven of you, check it out if you haven't seen it. I know that, I know it's like uh, a joke to tell people to watch The Wire, but it's pretty good. Um, hang in there, everybody. Do uh, yoga with Adrian or whatever gets you moving. Dr. Dalgar, do you have any, you know, mental or physical health strategies for people in quarantine right now? Not really. Isn't there some guy doing gym class for children on, online? Yeah. I He's hope. getting famous. They should run a background check. Great. Okay. Um, cool. I think this one was a real winner. I think I think <laughs> if anybody's still listening, then uh, 
Thank you. If you're still listening, if you've did did anyone tweet at you after listening to the last one? Nope. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, cool. Well but now I got it now I have a blue check mark, so maybe I will get more tweets. Yeah, you got a blue check mark. Congratulations. After all yeah, that did, media time, you yeah. earned it. Cool. Yeah, well that's did, something Twitter was trying to verify all the COVID people. That's something to oh gosh, I wanted to talk to you about that guy, Max Howrout. Oh, there was this whole okay. Do we have a couple minutes? Yeah, it's fine. So there's this guy named Max Howrout or whatever. Mm-hmm. I when I first started Googling about COVID, it wasn't even called COVID at the time, coronavirus novel coronavirus. His he would always come up at the top of Twitter as somebody who just had all this information. He was tweeting videos out of Wuhan. He just seemed to have a lot of a lot of data and information on this. And it wasn't all fake because actual news sites started corroborating what he was tweeting. But then some of the stuff was questionable. I think I asked you about it and you kind of were like dubious. And I was looking into him and then I looked at his Instagram and he said he was a comedian and I didn't see much content online and I was very curious. And then, you know, as it was, I, I engaged with him to try to get him on our very popular podcast and had, hadn't really heard from him. And then he and I started corresponding, but he wouldn't get on the podcast, but that's fine. I mean, I, I, there are a lot of podcasts I don't do. Um, and then I saw that he got some shit for some tweets by some other journalists who I follow saying that he was spreading fake news, but I couldn't really pin it down. And then all of a sudden he got banned from Twitter and now he's on Instagram and he liked like 30 of my pictures but I go to his site and it looks like I just I just can't tell if he's real or not. And it's such a mystery. No, I'm Vladimir Putin's person. Well, that's the thing. In my gut, I'm like, is this guy like a Russian bot? Because you go to his Instagram, Max Howrout, and a lot of the photos he looks like photoshopped. And but then some of the information that he had was actually real and on the ball before so much of the mainstream media. Whoa. Well, that's a good technique if you're spreading disinformation that it you mix it in with real Very much is. So then the question is, if he's not a real comedian, and I just want to get him on the, I get him, I want to talk to him because, you know, then you'll be able to ask him these questions yourself. Because he also, you don't want to be that asshole who's like calling some kid a Russian bot. I've already gone down that road and it doesn't ever lead to anything good. But is there a world where he's like a, paid Russian troll meant to sow disinformation or just like, is that there, there's so much, I'm so curious. I would like, there's lots of disinformation from the Russians. There's lots of disinformation from the Chinese right now. So I wouldn't be careful about all of that. But there has been from the beginning. It'd be interesting if you just kind of, and also the other thing that was sketchy to me is he deleted so many of our initial DMS. Cause I went back and I was like, this Max guy, what's from the beginning, I was trying to figure out what his deal was. And he deleted all those DMs that he said to me at the beginning. So that's kind of sketchy, too. But then now he's on Instagram. And so I asked him if he wanted to be on a podcast. And he was like, I'm overwhelmed right now. But then he liked like 30 of my photos, which is a horror movie when somebody does that. It's very creepy. There should be a limit to how many images a guy can like on a woman's Instagram before the person just gets blocked. Because it's just not, it's not cool. Do you want to, in your, well, there's nothing to do. He deleted his whole feed. He was kicked off Twitter. I'm just going to try to get him on the podcast with us. That's well, all. you can find it on the Wayback Machine, whatever that thing is. You could probably find it. Find what? His tweets. Oh, I can, 
find his he he's a, there must be a cast version of them somewhere. Yeah, I know. I should submit it to Reply All, a far better podcast that deals with um, this kind of shit. Okay, well, go listen to Reply All, everybody. <laughs> um, cool, Dr. Dalja, thanks again for your time. This has been always helpful and informative. Do you have any positive uh, words of encouragement for people trapped in their homes right now? No, not really. Cool, great, awesome. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, have a good day. Um, we'll be back maybe next uh, next week to check in with you, see how you're doing, okay? All right. Hang in there. Talk to you soon. Bye. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.